bear with me. Things are going to be a little bit different this morning uh, as far as the sermon is concerned. Um, in, in, in short, um, I'll, I'll go into a little bit more probably in the midst of, of my message. But in short, last night uh, we had a, uh, a threatening phone call made against uh, Corinne uh, with the use of my name. And so we have been uh, overwhelmed emotionally in the last 12 or so hours. And so I am drained and exhausted, and yet here I am because I still believe that uh, this is the community that we want to surround ourselves with. Um, we couldn't have gotten through last night if it wasn't for this family of people uh, that we were able to reach out and lean into and have the support from. Um, and so uh, this morning, uh, as, we, as we work through the sermon, depending on who knows, it might be short, it might be long, it might be normal, who knows? Um, but we're just going to go through it and we'll see how the Lord leads um, but I just know that, like, this morning, like, sitting is where I'm going to have to be. Um, I don't know that I could stand the whole time. Um, but if you've been with us at all over the last several weeks, we have been working through our sermon series called Jesus Appears. And, and this sermon series has really been about these encounters that Jesus has had with several of these people that he had been doing life with after his resurrection. In fact, our first week, we looked at the two disciples that Jesus met on the road to Emmaus, and then we encountered Mary Magdalene at the tomb. And then after that, we saw how Jesus appeared to the disciples uh, behind a locked door of all places, and then he revealed himself to Thomas, which is where we were last week. And now we're going to go one step further, and we're going to talk about Jesus' encounter with Peter on the shore and the way that Jesus revealed himself to Peter and, and just loved him in a manner that I think we all can use a little understanding uh, in today. And so if you will uh, just hear with me and follow with me, we're going to be in John chapter 20, verse 24 through, oh wait, I'm wrong, chapter 21, <laughs> verse 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, 
You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was going to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we we are gathered here just to know you more. God, as we open your scriptures, I pray that your Holy Spirit would illumine them to us and reveal to us what it is in our own hearts that needs to be uprooted so that we might have a relationship with you that is as one attached to the branch and bears good fruit. Jesus, that we would know you intimately and personally, not just from afar. And so God, as we hear from this passage this morning in John 21, and we hear this encounter that you had, Jesus, with Peter. Let it speak to our own hearts. Let us be reminded of what it is that you are seeking in relationship. God, we love you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So, last night... In the midst of everything that was going on, I kind of came to the end of myself in a lot of ways. Uh, I was filled with the most amount of fear that I think that I'd have ever been filled with in my life. And after going through the whole ordeal and ending up um, back... uh, in in my place for just a short time before moving forward to go to some place where we felt a little bit more safe, I just had to make some phone calls. And one of those phone calls was to a friend of mine that uh, has been with me through thick and thin. If there is anybody that knows me better than I know myself, it is him. Uh, he knows it all. He knows all my sin issues and all the great things that, that the Lord is doing in my life. And he continually is the person that encourages those things in me and, and pushes me to a place to let the gold shine through, even when in the midst of everything I feel nothing more than dirt. And, and I say that, I say that this morning because friendship, I feel like in a lot of ways, has become synonymous with really what we should be classifying as acquaintances. I think in today's society, real friendship, a, a friendship with somebody that knows all of you, that knows you fully, that knows you completely in a manner that they can speak into your life with meaning and depth, has in a lot of ways lost its place in our world and in our society. Instead, we call friends of people that are nothing more than acquaintances We let them know just a fraction of who we are, but we don't let them know our entirety. And so in the midst of our ordeal last night, I knew that there was one person that I could call. 
above everybody else. And it wouldn't matter the situation or the moment. It wouldn't matter if I felt like it was going to be a burden to bear or it didn't matter how many tears I was choking words through. He was going to listen. And as I say that this morning, I, I, have, to, I have to ask, I have to wonder if, if you have that person in your life. If you have that, that person in your life that, that no matter the ordeal, no matter the struggle, no matter the sin, no matter the joy, do you have somebody that you can turn to at, at any moment and, and share your deepest, darkest burdens with them? And will they listen? And not only will they listen, but will they encourage through it? Will they hear every word that you're speaking and then not shame you or make you feel guilty for feeling a certain way? Even if that feeling is a moment of doubt, of faith. Because I, I can't sit here and not also share that there were some doubts. There were moments last night where I was like, Lord, what are you doing? Why now? What is this? How is this happening? Are you even there? Do you even care? And maybe you had those moments in your own life where you're like, God, I don't know. Like, do you care? Do you care about this moment? Like, I am so full of fear. I am so scared. I'm, I'm so distraught. I'm so out of it. Do you, do you even notice me? Do you see what I'm going through? Do you, do you know? Do you feel the pain that I feel? And yet it's in those moments that we have these friendships that we can, that we can turn to. And then they can speak the truth when we can't hear the truth for ourselves. And so the real question, though, the real question I think today, though, is not so much that you have that one friend, which I pray that you do. I pray that there is somebody in your life that knows you fully and completely and knows you well enough that in your worst moments, they see gold in you. But in today's passage, we're talking about Peter's relationship with Jesus. And how this relationship between Peter and Jesus is a reflection of the relationship that we too have been called into with Jesus. And so I want us to be pushed today that as we read this passage, we see how in relationships between friends here on earth, the ones that we have with the people that know us, that is the same relationship that Jesus is seeking as well. And so in our passage this morning, we have to have a little bit of context. We have to understand that in this moment when Jesus encounters Peter, 
there's a moment that happened prior to this. That was when Peter was all alone. In Peter's darkest moments. In Peter's biggest betrayal. In Peter's biggest moment of weakness. In John 18. Simon Peter followed Jesus. And so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter, he stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. A little bit later, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did, you not, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed. You see, in order to understand the full context of today's passage, we also have to understand the depth of Peter's fear and sadness. And I can, I can sense that for the first time, I, I kind of have a grasp of this fear that Peter felt when, when he was being questioned, when he was seeing that, that Jesus was being led to a place of trial that would probably ultimately end in his death. How, how Peter, in those moments when somebody asked him, are you not also one of his disciples? Did you not also follow him? Have you not been with him too? That he would say, I do not know him. I do not know him. I am not one of his disciples. That had to be one of Peter's weakest moments. In fact, there's... Uh, uh, continues in the passage where it says that after the rooster crows, that Peter weeps because he knows what he had done. Because Jesus had even prophesied it to him. He said, before the crow cro uh, uh, crows three times, you will deny me. And so he knew. And he knew that Jesus knew. And so after Jesus' death and after his resurrection, after Jesus has appeared to the two and then to Mary and to, to all the disciples and then to Thomas and then to the disciples again, he's sitting on the shore of the sea having breakfast with these disciples and then Jesus takes Peter and speaks to him personally. And what I think is beautiful about this passage, what we have to see and grasp in this passage, is that when Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, he asks him three times, do you love me? 
And it is a perfect illustration that in Peter's denial of Jesus three times, Jesus then pushes him three times in a place of grace and mercy. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And each time Peter responds, I love you, Lord. You know that I do. You, I love you, Lord. You know that I do. And then the third time Peter is grieved, you know everything, Lord. You know that I love you. And then Jesus says, good. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend to the flock. Each time Jesus responds by saying, feed them. Love them. Tend to them. If you love me, you will do this. And what we're seeing is that Jesus, Jesus knowing Peter in his weakest, darkest, most sinful moment of denying Jesus before others, Jesus says, it's okay. I knew it was going to happen. I saw when it happened. And now, know that it has not changed how I love you. It does not change that you are mine. Peter, I love you. Do you love me? I love you, Lord. Peter, I love you. Do you love me? I love you, Lord. Peter, I love you. Do you love me? You know that I love you, Lord. And what I think is interesting in that in the first two questions, Jesus actually uses the word agape. It's the word for love that sometimes gets translated as charity. We often say that it's, it's the, the love of God, God's love that, that's, that's greater and, and, and more unconditional than any love that, that we have a word for in English. But, but agape, the way that we need to understand it is, is I love how C.S. Lewis speaks about the four loves and specifically agape, that it's, it's a gift love. It's a love that, that, that cannot be, be given by any other means than a free gift of God to somebody. And in turn, when we experience agape in our lives, when we experience that, that God-given love, that God-gifted love, we know that it is fully and completely unconditional. And it's the same love that when we see people that are hurting and in need, it's not that we have obligation to them. It's that filled with the agape of God, we are moved toward them to love them as well. The agape of God. And so Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you agape me more than these? And here's what's interesting. When Peter responds all three times, he actually doesn't respond with, yes, Lord, I agape you. He responds, yes, Lord, I phileo you. And phileo, this is also the word that I want us to understand that when I was talking about in the beginning, phileo is a love that is based off of friendship. In fact, C.S. Lewis even says, 
Phileo is a love that we do not need. It, it is a love that, 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 that we aren't actually prompted to in our normal lives. Like there's, there's storge, which is this affectionate love. It's the love of like a mother toward a child. Storge is important because it's how children are taken care of. It's how they're reared. It's, it's how they're loved into, into a life well lived. And then you've got this agape love, this gift of God love that, that is required of us and that, and that knowing that God loves us, that we can love the world. And then there's the, the other kind of love is eros love. That's, that's, that's romantic love. It's, it's the love that, that pushes us into relationship with another person for, for the purpose of, of romance and for the purpose of procreation, the, the purpose that God put in the beginning between Adam and Eve and Eros love. But phileo love, it kind of pushes against our nature to think that there could be a love, a deep love between two people. Specifically speaking, Phileo is a love between two people of the same gender, the same sex. It's, it's a love between, to, between two men, and it's a love between two women. It's, it's a love that in, in a lot of ways, C.S. Lewis says, we just don't need it. And yet, it's a love that God sees as integral to the life of the Christian to the life of the person that loves God. And so when Peter actually says to Jesus, I phileo you, it, it's more than just saying something so simple as like, yeah, you know that we're friends. You know that I know you. And so when I said in the beginning that I have a friend that I know that I can go to with anything and everything at any moment at any time, Whatever it is, no matter how broken I may seem, he's going to phileo me. He's going to love me with the love that a friend loves in intimacy and in depth. That something simple as an acquaintance cannot fathom or comprehend. And so when Peter responds to Jesus, Jesus, I, I, I phileo you, he's saying, he's saying, Jesus, I, I love you with a depth of love that, that goes far beyond anything that can be imaginable. Uh, it's a love that I'm choosing to love you with because of who you are. There might be agape love in there, but, but Jesus, I need you to know this is a love that, that, that transcends simple acquaintanceship. It's a love that... that has been built upon doing life together for the last three years, following you into the desert and following you into the villages and following you around Judea and Galilee, following you through Samaria, a place that I normally wouldn't go. Jesus, I phileo you. And Jesus says again, do you agape me? And Peter says, Jesus, I phileo you. And then Jesus, the third time, says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter says, I phileo you. At no point did Jesus ever see Peter as less than. 
someone fully worthy and deserving of phileo love. In in our lives, in our walk with Jesus, Jesus is calling each of us into the same kind of depth of relationship, the same kind of loving depth of relationship. Jesus sees us and he knows us. He sees us at our very worst and at our very best. And and even our very best is like dirty rags to him. And yet he sees us. And he loves us and he knows us. And he knows that in our deepest doubt, in our darkest moments, in our greatest sin, he already knew. He already saw. He already forgave. And he already welcomed you back into his arms as friend. As friend. And so when we think about this passage, when I push you to ask the question, do you have a friend in your life that knows you wholly and fully? One, if you don't, I encourage you to find one. No matter how old you are, we could all use somebody that knows us that deeply. But the second is this, is that if you do have that person, then know that Jesus also wants to be that person for you. He wants the depth of relationship that you would have with your closest friend. He wants it. He doesn't need it, but he wants it with you. And he wants it with me. And so in the middle of the events of last night, after I'd talked on the phone with with my friend, the encouragement that he continued to give was, Jesus is there too. Jesus is there too. Jesus is with you. Jesus is still good. Jesus is still gracious. Jesus is still sovereign. Jesus is still working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He's there. He's there and he loves you and he phileos you and he agapes you and it's not changing. It's not going to change. He's there. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. It doesn't matter how much doubt you experience right now. It doesn't matter if you want to deny him to yourself. He's not denying you. He's never going to deny you. Jesus never denied Peter. Even when Peter denied him, Jesus will never deny you. Even if after knowing him, you try to deny him. He loves you. Know him. Know him. Know him as Peter knows him. That's the encouragement of today's passage is that we can have the same relationship that Peter had with Jesus. To love him. And so what does that that look like for us? Well, Jesus says that if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. You'll, You'll tend the sheep. Are we a people that, that love Jesus so much that we're willing to be obedient to the call that he's made in our lives to, to minister to those that are, that are less, to the least of these? We talked about it a few weeks that 
in Matthew when Jesus said, when you clothed the least of these, you clothed me. When you gave the least of these a glass of water, you gave me a glass of water. And so to have the depth and relationship with Jesus that he's calling us to, he's also calling us and encouraging us to know that, that we can be called to ministry. We can be called to love and tend the flock as he called and loved and tended the flock. Feed my sheep. And quite frankly, it's the end of this passage that, although in some ways is morbid, is the most encouraging. Jesus says to him, to Peter, and when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to him to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. Peter, like Christ, was crucified. His arms outstretched on a cross and carried to the place that he did not want to go. And Jesus told this to Peter, and it did not scare Peter. It did not instill fear in him because it was in this moment of conversation with Jesus that Peter fully knew that Jesus saw him and that Jesus loved him and that would not, it would not matter where anything went forward. Peter was safe evermore in the arms of his Christ. And we too, in our worst and most terrifying moments, are still safe in the arms of our ever-loving Christ. And so will we follow him wherever he goes, however he goes, whenever he goes, to the ends of the earth. Jesus says to Peter, follow me. And he makes that same call to us that as we walk in relationship with him as we phileo Jesus and he phileos us that we would follow him. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, you are our dearest friend. You are our greatest friend. There is nobody that can love us more than you even in the midst of fear and doubt because of life circumstances that just overwhelm us. Jesus, you're there. You're there. And when Peter denied you, you did not deny him. You saw his moment of weakness knowing that it was not a denial of who you were but it was a moment of weakness and fear of the world. And so as we come to you, Lord, today, let us know what relationship you seek with us, the depth with which you love us. And Lord, that we would find people in our lives that know us fully as you know us. And that we would experience you in them and through them. 
For a good friend reveals you always, in every moment. For that we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Be with us today. It's in your name we pray.